evil heavy metal that your parents hate you listening to? You know those lyrics about hell, demons and doom? What if I told you it's all real? I know. I was there. It's piss. That's me, Brody. My friends are losers. So we started a band. Check it out. Ricky Daggers. Is he dead? Wouldn't it be crazy if the music had something to do with demons? Demons. We're all gonna die. I translated those pages. Now, people are turning crazy. Like, possessed. Crazy. What's up? That was pretty cool. As is, I mean, the axe and the. You know, I'm not even sure I'm in the right tuning. Brother of Steel. Is that how you get Cookie Monster vocals? Well, it's uh, a feedback oh. vocal technique that they uh, refer to in the movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> must not remember that. Uh, I think it's right at the end, isn't it? The girl says... Uh, oh, it's when they're on the, the bed, isn't it? Yeah, and she's yeah. talking about Cannibal Corpse. They used to do it. Yeah, they used to use mic cupping and not anymore. And he goes, oh, you... You think you're some sort of uh, expert all of a sudden. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> I'm fast learning. Yeah. An expert. An expert. Hey, listeners, guess what you're listening to? Yeah, that's right. Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. We're a podcast that talks about a horror movie in a shed at the bottom of a garden. Yeah, it's three friends. Not Will this time. Will's taking care of some business. And we have Mike. Mike C., welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me Hello. back. Welcome back to the show. Uh, that's Jolien right across from me. As far as you know, he could be right behind me, but uh, through the magic of radio, <laughs> uh, we're going to uh, talk about Deathgasm. We will spoil the movie to some extent. Uh, recently watched, not so much going to spoil. We're going to play a little game with what I recently watched because I don't know what it was. And Jolien, I bet you can guess. <laughs> was there a blob in it? <laughs> there was not a blob, blob in it. 
<laughs> there was not. And from what I could tell, not much of a budget. Uh, and it wasn't recent, but uh, we'll, we'll come back around <laughs> okay. to that. Thank you to the Moon Rays for giving us that song, Intro Creature Features, at the top of the show. You can buy the music digitally on Amazon or iTunes. You can say hi to them on Facebook, where they are, the Moon Dash Rays. And uh, I think I said that we're hosts, and we're not professional critics. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to spoil stuff. going to try yeah. to not spoil other stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Highly opinionated. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah, cool. <laughs> um, we'll try to share some information, but, um, you know, uh, we do this for free. That's the bottom line. Right. When I say we're not professional critics, we're also not professional podcasters as of yet. Um. That covers housekeeping. Um, do you want to talk about anything you recently watched, Mike? Anything that I recently watched? You know, I, I was um, going through Netflix trying to find this, and um, Last Shift came up as something that they would recommend, which was this... Um, I don't even know if I have the vocabulary to really describe it, but it takes place in a police station. So it's only one setting mm-hmm. and it's like, I think the police station is haunted or Satan is coming or something like that. I mean, I actually remember at certain points being fairly like kind of creeped out by mm-hmm. some of the jerky movements and some of the plot. And then I think at, at a certain point, at, you know, I, I was no longer invested, <laughs> but um, I do remember it having really good moments, and that sort yeah. of sparked it all back. And she's really good in it. She so, was really yeah. good in it. Yeah. I her name, but... Can you really pinpoint the moment where you just checked out? It's always with the monster. It's uh-huh. always with the oh, monster. Okay. It was the same thing with House on Haunted Hill, the newest one they did. Mm-hmm. I thought they had done such a good job of creating like a good atmosphere and everything. And as soon as you see what's chasing them, it was just like throw the popcorn up, storm out. <laughs> Don't ask for your money back because you know you're not going to get it, but definitely, like, under your breath, talk about how you wish you could get your money back for it. So is it because it's a badly done monster or is that they show the monster at all? I think it's because they show it. You know, a good horror movie always builds in your mind or lets your mind construct really what's going on. And so your imagination does all the work for them. And so the moment that you then see it and it meets your expectation or falls, you know, very far, far short, um, the magic's over. Because your imagination is no longer a part mm. of it, so I just, I just sort of feel like good psychological horror movies don't ever give you that monster. Okay. You have to keep questioning. So, has there ever been a one that does show it that you thought, oh yeah, that still works? Mm. Can't doesn't spring to mind. And not right away. Yeah, okay. maybe I'll interrupt you later with that. Sure. <laughs> well, for for us recently, we talked about the ritual. Oh yeah. That actually worked. I mean, they showed the creature. Yeah, that thing was so strange. Yeah, it was really peculiar. That, that's from like Norse legend, isn't it? I think so, yeah. 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 Well, oh, I can't remember. It was called the Jordan. Juden. I'm just not going to get it. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, it's probably started with a J and was pronounced like a Y. Mm-hmm. Had a bunch of O's in it. Sure. Yeah. So uh, so ninety five percent of the vocabulary. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. it was it was a word. <laughs> like a motorhead album. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There we go. Uh, so, um, yeah, the ritual is definitely one. That you okay, might dig. okay. I'll give that a whirl. Yeah, and see if you do check out when they show the monster. But okay, that's the that's the trouble I had with um, Lords of Salem. Like Rob Zombie is just like, here's them witches, and they're gonna mm. hang out with you the whole movie. Right. And I was like, okay. Are they going to go away at any point in time? <laughs> Couldn't you build up some suspense for the witches? Nope. Yeah. So anything else recent that was good or that was better than that? I have a three-year-old, and so we've been exploring a lot of children's 
films and TV shows. So good is definitely not an adjective we can put on the table. Um, <laughs> and nothing really that's not repetitive singing. So I unfortunately mm. don't have anything good there. Uh, okay. Um, this movie, though, did remind me of Evil Dead, which I'm, we can yeah. probably dive into oh, at sure. appropriate moments. Um, so I enjoyed sort of hearkening back to that. But no, sadly, nothing new um, for me to to spur things along. Oh, cool. Um, Jolene, do you want me to just play 20 questions okay. with this movie and see if you can name <laughs> sure. what it was? <laughs> it's good. Okay. So it appeared to be uh, a foreign language vampire film from the late 60s, possibly early 70s. Nice. Um, there was a woman who apparently has a doppelganger in an old castle. And there's a wealthy guy, and he has a love interest, and apparently she has a twin who's a vampire. And there's some wig and wardrobe switcheroos that happen. Um, there is a bumbling uh, sort of monk in a white frock and a little white cardinal cap. Is this a Jess Franco film? It looked like it could be a Jess Franco film, for sure. I don't know anything about it. because I'll, tell you, I'll give you the, the reason I don't know. They do a thing on Denver Channel 8, which is a public access channel from what I could tell. And they do this thing called Saturday Night Fright or Saturday Night Frights. Hmm. I'm not sure which. And basically they want to do the horror host thing. And they have a werewolf guy with a top hat. <laughs> and he runs around uh, parks and graveyards and stuff uh, being funny. So a lower budget Crypt Keeper. Yeah, sort of, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or a no budget Spengoolie. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so um, this movie, uh, there's a, a big party where uh, apparently Dracula himself is going to show up and he shows up in a helicopter at this party. In a helicopter. Yeah. So it wasn't very good. The overdub was pretty bad i mean it was as good as any other foreign language overdubbed movie i guess <laughs> and uh oh there was something about a um a painting of one of the uh predecessors to this vampire woman or maybe it was a painting of her and it was a nude and strangely they were showing it so maybe that's okay and uh it's public art. access it's yeah. art yeah technically it's art yeah. it's in the background was it italian per chance it looked italian or spanish I, I mean the the language that they were working in was it italian well that's the thing it was dubbed so it was hard oh, to tell okay. okay yeah and they usually pick the most anglo looking actors they can get right so it's hard to go hmm that guy appears to be spanish right it's like you can't right necessarily right. tell <laughs> it's, it's like the most fair-haired fair-skinned <laughs> italians they could find mm. uh and sometimes John Saxon. <laughs> what was the reason for that, Jolie? He speaks Italian. Yeah, I think he's part Italian. Yeah, so he, he could communicate with directors mm -hmm. and casting people and craft services. And Yeah, there's, there's a whole bunch of actors going over and making money in Italy. They're like, buongiorno. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm here to make the movie. Yeah, I mean, he didn't have to speak Italian at all to play the part. You know? Pretty much not. So, uh, no guesses on that one. Sounds yeah. like a Jess Franco, doesn't it? Yeah, except for the helicopter thing that, you know, he doesn't often spring for a helicopter. <laughs> well, it could have been free. Uh, yeah. It's like so there's just one lying around. 
Yeah. <laughs> they had a guy who knew how to fly it. I can't think of it immediately. Okay. Well, I watched whatever that was. <laughs> and uh, I probably started 15 minutes into it. And it wasn't, intro- well, I didn't see it introduced and it wasn't reintroduced after commercials. Right. So, or, or you know, whatever little intermissions they did. So I have to pretty much just say, well, I'll find out someday. But Tracking them in a helicopter. Mm-hmm. Dracula okay. in a helicopter. That's not a lot of movies. No. <laughs> so I watched that thing, and I, I decided to see it through to the end. It was yes. pretty eye-rolly ending to the thing, but it's okay. Oh, and, and there's a great part where at the end, this is not really much of a spoiler, but uh, the vampire woman is going to come to the U.S. to uh, become a famous actress. So she takes a plane. Whatever. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty eye rolly the whole hmm. the whole thing. She could okay. have taken Dracula's helicopter. Yeah. yeah, you'd think so. Yeah. Oh. So what did you watch, Julian? Uh, well, the best one I watched uh, last week was uh, the Color of Pomegranates, nineteen sixty nine, Sergei Pajanov. Hmm. Uh, so this is like a. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of about this uh, poet uh, Syat Nova. Uh, who's in? Uh, who's this Armenian poet in the 18th century? And uh, what, what they do with this movie is like it's not like a biopic. It's just uh, it's basically a series of tableau, and they kind of reflect uh, his inner and outer life. And, uh, and you see someone who's obviously him as a child and through adults up to death. And uh, uh, and it's, it's, it's really beautiful. It's, it kind of reminds you of um, Joe Dorowski, including, mm-hmm. including bits of Animal Slaughter. Oh. Uh, but it's really, really good uh, looking film. Um, and, you know, it's told through tableau and mime and bits of his poetry and intertitles and prayers and songs. And, uh, you know, there's, there's just nothing like it. And it kind of looks like because uh, 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 just about everybody in the film is like looking directly into camera. Mm hmm. Yeah, uh, kind of uh, looks like a proto pop video. Hmm. You know, when when pop videos in the early '80s, you had like uh, filmmakers who were who had obviously like seen these kinds of films, and then they were bringing in images from art movies and right. And uh, so you know, you you some some scenes you're looking at, you expect them to bust out with ashes to ashes or something like right. that. And, <laughs> uh, it's uh, yeah, it, it, it's a uh, yeah amazing looking film. Just came out. On, Criterion Blu-ray, and then I followed that with a Pacific Rim Uprising, nice mm. from uh, this year. <laughs> Good companion piece, Stephen S. Knight. So this has got John Boyega, Scott Eastwood, uh, Jing Chan, who's who's in the um, Kong Skull Island series. So this is from Legendary, which is basically a Chinese company, Chinese-owned mm-hmm. production company now. Um, so it's got like several uh, Chinese. Uh, actors in there and it was filmed in like Korea and um, parts in the Far East um, there's a city that's supposed to be Tokyo but just no way clearly is not <laughs> um, yeah it's so international like uh, it doesn't feel like it's any one particular place and uh, or any particular viewpoint you know it's this kind of corporate assembly uh, but the uh, there's great effect shots and mm-hmm. if you want your giant monster action right it delivers a lot of it and the, and it really works out your subwoofer it really right <laughs> and that's what the audience is there for 
Yeah. Giant monsters and subwoofer pounding. It gives you that. Pounding. Yeah. Uh, and I saw another giant monster movie called uh, I Killed Giants. This is one of those, uh, there's this like, whole sub-genre of giant monster movies now where mm. you have some uh, outsider person and a giant monster kind of uh, magically appears and uh, helps them to get over their oh. problems. Mm. Or, like Iron Giant. Become accepted. Yeah. Yeah. And, Pete's uh, Dragon. Yeah. There's a... Uh, so, so in recent times, you had like uh, Demi King and a couple of other Japanese ones. And then you had um, uh, When a Monster Calls and things like that. So hmm. um, it just seemed very familiar. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's nice looking, good cast. It's got uh, Zoe Saldana in it. Hmm. Uh, and I saw this Russian epic called uh, Furious, which is about this... Uh, uh, is that he's, he's supposed to be an actual historical figure? Is this uh, uh, knight named uh, Kolovrat who's defending the t- town of uh, Yazan? And uh, uh, in real life, he was like away visiting another area, and his city got wiped out by the Golden Horde, which mm. is like this the Mongols. third generation horde, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, his, yeah. Uh, Batu Khan. Uh, and uh, so he, he kind of took revenge, hmm. you know, against the Horde. Um, and eventually got killed. <laughs> but, uh, he, uh, yeah, so it's, it, it kind of mixes in a lot of fantasy stuff. Like there's this huge bear in it. And um, there's some very unlikely things. Like it reduces his army down to like a couple of dozen. Mm. Like in real life, there's about a thousand. But, you know, he's still going up against the Mongol right. Horde. So, right. you know, there's tens of thousands of people right. there. And I mean, it's got a really good uh, uh cast in it um you know there's, there's, there's too much cg whizzing around it kind of took me out mm, of it sure and because it doesn't invest itself in being like realistic yeah that'll um, do it um yeah I, I kind of miss the days of like the, the old russian epics where they'd uh when when they wanted like ten thousand people on the field they get ten thousand people right. on the field right and uh but uh, yeah, a little too CG, but you know, as I say, this is pretty entertaining and a good cast and stuff. So. Anyway, so that's what I saw, and I'm, I'm working my way through Crystal Lake Memories. Oh, that, yeah, that's what is that like 16 hours or something? Yeah, it's like, crazy. have you seen that? No, no, it's like six something hours documentary about the entire Friday the 13th series, including the TV show. Uh, okay, uh, so I just had that on while I'm working on a slasher project in there. Uh, yeah, it's, it's quite fun. It's, they, they leave no stone unturned. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's fair to say. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of like a DVD extra that goes on for six, six hours. You know, it's all <laughs> it's all told from the side of the people who have been making it. And uh, so... Um, That's value right there. You buy a movie and you get an epic in the extras. <laughs> right. Yeah. They couldn't even fit it on today's technology. It had to be on a streaming service. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's on the shutter. Oh, cool. So we threw out this idea, you know, let's watch Deathgasm. Um, what was aggravating about this is that it was on two different platforms mm-hmm. and disappeared from both of them just as Mike was about to watch. Oh. And I had watched all the way to the ending and wanted to rewatch the ending because I felt like there were some things I mm-hmm. missed. So I stopped during the beginning of the credits and was just going to oh. restart it and, and kind of zoom yeah. it back a bit. It was gone. Like oh. Mike is like, it's not there. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. oh, he just isn't finding it. Let me look. So I could be like, oh, maybe, you're, you know, I don't know. 
Like what you're could, bad at working Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> how, how bad can this guy be at this stuff? He can't type with his thumbs. He's got a master's, but you can't do this. You can't spell deathgasm. <laughs> right. I look and sure enough, it's gone. I went, well, I was pretty sure it was on shutter at the same time. And I looked yeah. and it wasn't there either. Mm. Like, I, I watched it last Saturday. So. Right. And I watched it, I think Sunday or Monday. Yeah. And then, uh, sure enough, it was, it was gone. And, uh, that makes me think that maybe it was like, you know, within 24 hours of the first of the month, it was done with its contract right. for that particular okay. run. And that's just coincidentally when we decided, you know, we're going to do this. So you, you managed to find it and watch I, it. I did. I, I was a dirty criminal and watched it free on some dot TV yeah. uh, website. Well, this is, see, this is what happens. Mm-hmm. You know? well, they, if you take it off Netflix, mm-hmm. it's going to find its way back on. It just drives people into the criminal underworld. It's true, yeah, it it's does. true. And while I had to deal with CD elements like consistent pop-ups, yeah. um, otherwise I was able to watch the whole thing unadulterated. So okay. it was it was fine. Good. Yeah. And uh, that's probably a good place to kind of you know kick off the discussion by saying, so how did it work for you? Was it was it enjoyable? Was it funny? Was it fun? How did how to go? It, it definitely had some funny moments. There's parts of it, especially as like a heavy metal fan, and I've been a heavy metal fan for about like 13, you know, honest, consecutive, hard years. Mm-hmm. Um, that I absolutely loved. Like it had some of the great tropes. It had some of the stoner burnout tropes. It had like the lone heavy metaler. You know that one kid that you always saw at the end of the cafeteria that you never <laughs> liked. And then of course it had its broodier more badass version in zach um it had um it pretty much touched on every sort of genre that heavy metal could touch on it had a lot of like the power metal elements particularly when oh what was the uh is it medina when she listens yeah. to that record for the first time and she's on top of that mountain wielding an axe with those two right, yeah. babes underneath yeah. her. Like that's that's pretty much a Man of War cover. Yeah, that yeah, might be yeah. all that's of the Man thought. of War. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, and then of course, like the really crappy black metal video that they record, like that's, <laughs> those first. exist out there. Yeah. So that, I loved that. Um, the death metal, like, um, eviscerations and stuff like that when the mom's guts or the aunt's guts just fall to the ground i was like this is this is like if you're a metal fan th- this is like everything that you've always listened to just coming at you mm-hmm. so i really loved it from that perspective as like a proper horror movie um i had more fun with it than i definitely was scared i mean sure yeah, i don't think it was any way meant to be scary no it's more a horror comedy yeah yes. Um, and it did have some like pretty good laugh out loud moments, but I did kind of walk away feeling like if I wasn't a metalhead, this would be dumb. <laughs> right. I do think you have to at least have one foot in this world or mm-hmm. to have had one foot in this world at some point in time for it to yeah. really work for you right? or to maybe be close to somebody who has just lived the life and been that person, you know, like, uh, like I, w- I was definitely a devout metalhead for many years of my life. Um, and uh, we were enjoying what was called the, was it the new wave of British heavy metal? Or yeah. the, I think it's, mm-hmm. I forget what the abbreviation nope, for that was. You exactly right. Yeah. Okay. So um, I, you know, I'm old enough to have seen a lot of those bands on those tours. And uh, for some reason, I still have most of my hearing intact. I don't know how. Because we got as close to the speakers as we could get, you know, as close to the stage as we could mm-hmm. get. And uh, 
I mean, I had like ringing in my ears a lot of times at the end of shows and I don't know how it just didn't do permanent damage more than it did. Um, that being said, yeah, I've, I've lived the life I've been in that world. And, um, and what I thought really worked about it was if you're a relatively nice looking, relatively cool kid who happens to also be a misfit because he's a metalhead, you're probably the coolest, best looking, mm-hmm. most personality kind of guy of that sort in a small school. Mm-hmm. And your two buddies that you do find are probably like his two <laughs> loser, <laughs> right. nerdy, dipshit friends that right. he ends up with. One of whom ends up in Peter Chris makeup <laughs> for the video. I know, I thought that was great. <laughs> which, which was like, I don't know. I mean, were we supposed to think he didn't get it? <laughs> I think so, because even I want to say at one point, he's wearing a, he's wearing a band t-shirt. And it wasn't winger, but it was like on those lines. Mm. Like it was like, yeah, he kind of he's just been imitating. So yeah, he's, he's Stewart from Beavis and Butthead. Exactly Head. right. Yeah, exactly with the winger right. T-shirt. Yeah, so it's like it's a blind dragon or a blind guardian T-shirt, guys. Like I'm in the know, and <laughs> yeah. they're wearing like death and napalm death and all that sort yeah. of stuff. Yeah, so it, it does stand a reason that uh, you know this this guy is going to be the outcast, and he's going to probably be the coolest of the outcasts. Mm-hmm. And then he meets, oh, what was his friend's name? Zach. Mm-hmm. Zach, the, the dickhead. Yep. Yeah. But who was you know purported to be just the coolest outcast that there could ever be? Like it even said, left a trail of what was it? Teenage pregnancies <laughs> and something right. else in his wake. Yeah, and it was just like it was perfect. Now. That being said, um, Jolene, did you have any problem with the way that they chose, like stylistically chose to break the fourth wall, kind of like Scott Pilgrim and Zombieland kind of stuff that they did? Um, I just I just felt it was, it was pretty uh, familiar, kind of splat stick. Yeah. And uh, crossed with like those metal parody things like, uh, you know, Spinal Tap. And uh, the, did you see that there was a British one called Bad News? Mm-hmm. They did a few of those. Mm-hmm. Which was which was uh, more based of the British wave of heavy metal, right? Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty familiar. It was kind of uh, done in the sense st- of humor. Yeah, they would freeze frame and then draw over it in the style of having yeah, drawn yeah, on his notebook e- cover, expecting that sort of thing. You know? Yeah, and they, and they did seem to to back off on that in the third act quite right. a bit, mm-hmm. or completely. I don't mm-hmm. remember if they did any of that. I don't think third. that. I think after we got Medina. And maybe one or two other characters we stopped. I think Zach was, might have been the last time that we saw a drawing. Did you realize you got Rickrolled in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think so, no. So when they when they go to, uh, what was his name? Uh, let's see. When they go to... Um, oh, for Haxon Sword? Yeah, or whatever Ricky Daggers. Ricky Daggers. When they go to Ricky Daggers' house, or the abandoned house Ricky uh-huh. Daggers is in... And they steal the album out of his hands. Mm. I mean, essentially, he is Iggy Pop. Right. He's yeah. like the black metal version right, of right. Iggy uh-huh. Pop. Um, they they pulled the record out. And it was right. it was a Rick Astley record. Right, right. right. So we all got Rick rolled. <laughs> the characters did, and in turn, we did. So that, that's worth mentioning. Sure. Um, this movie was a 2015 New Zealand uh, made movie. Apparently, won a prize of $200,000 to make the movie. I don't know if there was more budget on top of that. It feels like there was, Mm -hmm. but maybe your dollars go a lot further in New Zealand. I don't know. It seems like maybe they would. Um, So Jason Lee Howard was the director. 
I don't know much about him, but he did a fine job, I thought, um, as far as maybe a first-time director or an early director. Uh, I was entertained kind of throughout um, and reminded again, like you said, a lot of the, a lot of the stereotypes and the tropes and so stuff with heavy metal. Yeah. I really feel like he has to be a fan mm-hmm. or someone very intimate in the project has to be yeah, a fan. Yeah, uh, it's definitely made by fans. Yeah, because there's yeah. no way that anyone who wasn't a fan who's like, I want to make a heavy metal movie would have gotten any of that right. Mm-hmm. Or it would be way too on the nose. Exactly, exactly. It would be one extreme or the other. Exactly. Or a mix of both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Julian, how much of a metalhead were you back in the day? Uh, I I kind of hung out. I I liked it, and uh, uh, I I hung out with the uh, people who were into it more than other gangs because they were the least violent. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, your average frightened parent or school administrator would believe the opposite. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and that was another reason to like. Mm-hmm. And industrial music too. Like I remember getting frisked. Well, waiting the longest I've ever waited at Red Rocks to get in for a show was getting in the Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, and when mm-hmm. when I was a teenager, I'd, I'd be into metal. But then I want something louder and more extreme, so I could go into the you know extreme noise terror and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And that the hardcore and it just took it as far as it could go. And then, and then you get into like uh, just pure noise. Yeah. Stuff and. Um, uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, the heavy metal kids are, are cool, and and uh, uh, you know I could do artwork for them and stuff like that. And, oh, of course. Um, and the, the the kids that the parents would probably like the best, the best dressed kids, the worst. Oh, Always a lot, worst, a lot but, of times they were. Yeah, we call them the casuals. They'd have the designer labels and right. sweaters, and they'd be into like uh, white funk, <laughs> soul stuff, and yeah. and. Uh, uh, and they were the worst. You, you wanted to avoid them in town because uh, they go into town for one thing, and if they didn't get it, they wanted to hit something. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So, wow. So the the more punky and rocky someone looked, I'd I'd probably be with them more. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Um, we didn't. You know, when when I was in high school, we didn't have the same divisions that you would hear about in other schools, where it's like, oh, the metalheads beat up on these guys, or these guys are at war with the punks or whatever. It was like there weren't enough of the subculture people to be having those kind of divisions. We would all hang out together and go to parties together. So if somebody was a quote unquote waiver um, or, you know, if they were into pop music, they were probably more of an outcast than if they were into new wave punk or metal, Mm -hmm. you know, like if you were into those three things, any mix of them, like I simultaneously was listening to stuff like, you know, Metallica, Ride the Lightning and Oingo Boingo, Good for Your Soul. Right. Um, it's like I could I could have both of those things. I don't know why people thought you could only pick one or the other. Right. Sure. And, I, you know, I would hear stuff and like it. And that's one more thing I can enjoy. You know, this this thing of guilty pleasures or being ashamed of what you like. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree with it ever and i couldn't agree with just being mean to somebody because of what they liked right so we all got along we went to parties and we could hang out and stand around a bonfire and drink beers and not mm-hmm. go your music sucks and i want to punch you for it yeah but that's want to punch you back yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah i went to a similar school so um we everybody was pretty much in that like 95 percent was in the popular group so mm-hmm. for the rest of us that fell on the outskirts, there were so few of us. We we didn't have 
the the luxury mm-hmm. of then further demarcating right. our our, <laughs> our guilty pleasures. Exactly. So we're pretty much like skaters, stoners, goth kids, metalheads. You're all in it together. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, and there was yeah. There's no reason if you're not part of the conformist uh, mm-hmm. group. As, I mean, you could call them preppies, socies, jocks, whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Just a bunch of followers. Yep. They were anyway. I mean, I don't know if that's changed much, but uh, kids being mean to kids, that's never going to go away. Yeah. People yeah. are like, oh, there's a zero tolerance bullying thing at our school. Bullshit. <laughs> bullying is, right. is alive and well everywhere yeah. all the time. Yep. So yeah. that being said, uh, Jolie, and you're absolutely right. I think, you know, you, you could pick that person out of a crowd and you're probably right. They're going to be more interesting, more fun to hang out with. And less trouble, mm-hmm. <laughs> unless they transform when they're drunk. Uh, you... Yeah, yeah, well, they definitely get stupid when they're drunk. Oh yeah, I mean anybody could. I mean, I knew the most kind of normal-looking guy in college who turned into an absolute madman when he was drunk, and it was not fun to be around. Um, so that actually caused me uh, to do something new in my adult life. Uh, was to ask people, you know, oh, I'm starting to become friends with this person. I will ask them, are you a mean or weird drunk? Hmm. It's established that you do drink. We, you know, that got mentioned or, or found out somehow in the conversation. Do you start like wanting to drive a car or climb onto a roof or punch hmm. people or set things on fire? Right. Any of that shit? I don't want to be around it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I like it. It's a pre, it's a friendship interview. it's one it's one question it's one question (laughs) what do you like when you're drunk (laughs) uh and why haven't you quit yet um oh yeah i do have more notes here about this uh let's see uh sheer enthusiasm and utter commitment is the reason it won that prize okay um 88 percent of 25 critics gave the film a positive notice um the average rating is 6.4 out of 10 which for a horror movie you can automatically add one or two points to that i think like if there's a five star rating system on uh, a viewing platform you can usually say okay well this got three stars it's to me probably a four star thing if it's horror because there's a certain amount of people who are just going to try it out and go oh but i don't like horror one star two stars whatever And it pulls the rating down. Mm. So if it gets a 65 out of 100 or, you know, three out of five stars, you can bump it up, you know, 10 points or one star, however you want to do it. Um, But uh, it looks like Rotten Tomatoes, basically 65 out of 100, um, that sort of thing. Um, It did well at South by Southwest. And basically the, the editing was funny. You know, the writing was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. It was pretty entertaining throughout. Um, I, I'd probably liked it more if I was that age. The, yeah. Of those kids. Mm-hmm. And you'd have your friends around. It'd be more fun to watch with a group. Oh, sure. For sure. sure. Um, the least realistic thing was the the popular girl making the transition from popular girl to mm-hmm. hanging yeah, out with metalheads. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> it's like she'd at least be partway past the line. Yeah. And be- she... And she might have an arc of, of struggle where she's really having to grapple between this new found identity yeah. and also her old identity. Yeah. But she dove right in. 
Yeah, there, um, which they handled well on Freaks and Geeks. There was that the really mm-hmm. smart girl that decided to start wearing an army jacket and hanging out with the stoner kids. Right. It's like, yeah, she clearly had some struggle with it. I think it just speaks to the power of power metal. You know, you listen to one, <laughs> one album and it's it's cocaine. You're hooked. What would that album be, Mike? <laughs> oh, man. One album? One power metal album? Hey, hey pick three if you want. Go ahead. Oh, geez. One that's like, in, well, I would probably have to say, um, so Motorhead's Another Perfect Day. Mm-hmm. Um, that one, um, it's got Thin Lizzy's guitarist, mm-hmm. and man, it's just like, it's instant once you hear it. Um, hard not to like. Is it Gary Moore? Um, or oh, someone else? No, I, I thought it was... Scotty. Hmm. I want to say like Richie. Not Richie Blackmore. No, no, no. That would be Rainbow. Um, I can't remember. You know, I thought it's like a, it's one of those names you keep in your head until mm-hmm. you're asked. <laughs> yeah. Was that who and such and such? Oh, yeah. Uh, so the original lineup was Filthy Animal Taylor, mm-hmm. Fast Eddie Clark, and, and Lemmy. Lemmy. Mm-hmm. And then um, Fast Eddie had had enough of Lemmy pretty much after um, after Iron Fist mm-hmm. and was like, Dunzo. So Neat. then they got, because um, Filthy Animal was a big Thin Lizzy fan, so they right. got their guitarist and they cut this one album with him. And he's like Mr. Pretentious, you know, wouldn't play the old songs, only wanted to play the new songs. Uh, you know, they had that like dirty leather look. He was wearing like afros and sport coats, things like that. <laughs> um, but it's it's a killer album. Like uh, it fits in the Motorhead um, anthology as well as anything else. Hmm. Um, it, it's worth mentioning that Fast Eddie Clark formed Fastway with, with Pete Way. <laughs> and uh, I actually got to see them. I, uh, I want to say they either opened for Maiden or Priest or Dio or somebody back then. <laughs> I think they actually, I think what they did was Fastway, Saxon, Maiden. I, I want to say it was called the British Onslaught. British Metal Onslaught Tour. Mm. And uh, there were probably a couple other bands before that. And uh, it was pretty amazing to see some of those guys who were just switching back and forth between bands. Um, Like back then you could see the same drummer end up in three different bands. (laughs) The same guitarist. Like Vivian Campbell would be in three different bands over the course of five years. And, uh, you know, it's like, oh, you know, you don't know what you're going to get. Right. Like if you bought the ticket two months from now, you <laughs> right. know, that show might look a lot different. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, now that, you know, when Rolling Stones is rolling through, it's going to be the same lineup because that's who's going to make the money. But yeah, yeah. when with especially metal, they shared musicians just because the pool was so small. So, yeah, you would always get different oh, yeah. people all the time. In fact, even I saw a show in 2006 and everybody in the crowd was talking about for the headlining act who's the drummer because they just canned him right before the mm. show or right before the um, the tour set off. So everybody's like, "Well, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be?" And some people would say this, some people would say mm-hmm. this. So it was almost like, you know, it was almost like a game of how many <laughs> votes can we get? Who's going to be the drummer? Yeah, yeah. Well, there were the um, Apathy Brothers, uh, Carmine and uh, Vinny. They were two metal drummers back in the day. It's like, uh, they, they both vaguely look like uh, uh, Tom Savini. And uh, it was like they were in a lot of bands between the two of them. There was um, 
Tommy Aldridge, who had been in Black Oak, Arkansas, had uh, drummed for Ozzy for a while. Mm. And he was well known for doing this completely insane solo with these big fat drumsticks. And then he'd wing them into the audience and, and finish the solo with his bare hands. Wow. And he was not shy about it. He was punching cymbals and just going completely crazy. Nice. And uh, this was just a, you know, for young metalheads, this was a sight to see. Oh, sure. And you never know when you might see it again in a different band. It's like this guy might be doing the same thing for Dio. Right. Or Quiet Riot or whoever, right. you know, months down the road. Um, I would say uh, the uh, back then, you know, back in the 80s, a lot of these bands, it was like there was as much going into the stage production as there was going into the music. Oh, yeah. You know, not to say they weren't putting it all into the music, mm-hmm. but you weren't just going to go see a bunch of guys stand under a spotlight oh, no. and stare at their shoes. Iron Maiden shows are still legendary. Yeah. I mean, people even say like, oh, I'm going to go see Iron Maiden in a few years. But like, oh, it's nothing like the old shows. <laughs> and right. it's true. I mean, what they did for Power Slave and things like that, I mean, yeah. it will never be done again. well it's hard to get the money because basically musicians these days are glorified t-shirt salesmen Mm -hmm. there's no money to be made selling the music right you know by the time the digital file is out there that's it so you pretty much have to get a good portion of the door and sell a lot of Mm t-shirts and whatever else you're selling right yeah yeah when's the last time you saw a metal show mike Actually, it was my birthday last year. Oh, nice. Um, a black metal group from Austria called Belfagor came through. Belfagor. Uh, yeah, and so I was like, you know, the, the great thing about heavy metal is that it will never break your budget. I think the tickets were $25. And there were eight bands. And the, something like that. I think there were four <laughs> or five. And they changed, again, they changed the lineup last second. So I was like, okay. So I researched who was coming, and then everybody changed but Belfagor. So it was like... Okay, I, I saw a really great set of bands I have no idea. Um, but yeah, that was the last time. And I can definitely tell I'm older now because I was like, man, they got to turn this down. This is, and that's terrible. Like, you know, I didn't I didn't voice that to anybody, but as soon as the first chord hit, I was like, who is going to be a long night, isn't it? You just need to move to the back, old man. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Get out of the pit. <laughs> that's what it's like now. Jolien, do you remember the last time you went to a metal uh, yeah, show? Yeah, last year I went to see uh, Pueblo Escobar. You'd seen them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was them and like four other bands. We went to see because like uh, one of our friends he played with a he's a guitarist and he's so he's in several local bands. He was in um, Katesh. Oh, okay. Um, uh, they're really good as well. Mm. Um, but. Uh, uh, yeah, Pueblo Escobar is nice. excellent. That's nice. I think my last one, if you count him as metal, was Rob Zombie. Okay. I don't know how many years ago it was. Was it a good show? It was a good show, yeah. Nice. He's a little too obsessed with the Manson family. Mm. He had like a constant loop of like the Manson girls walking up to the courthouse and all that kind of yeah. old newsreel footage. Yeah. He had a constant loop of that crap going on and, you know, projected all giant behind him. And he's strutting around with like a leather jacket with uh, like bones painted on it. And, you know, he's putting on a show. He he puts it all out there. But uh, it's like, dude, just pump the brakes on the Manson crap a little bit. (laughs) Make a fucking movie about Charles Manson and get it out of your system. Why don't you play him? Tarantino's doing that now, isn't he? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Never mind, Rob. Sorry. (laughs) No, we tease him a lot on this podcast, 
but I do really dig him. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I think we all have a, I mean, I used to love White Zombie, mm-hmm. but I think at a certain point, particularly when I started seeing some of the horror movies, I was like, I think we need to see other people, Rob. <laughs> so I think it, it's well It's deserved. not you, it's, it's me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we had a beautiful thing. We'll always remember what we remember. Yeah. Goodbye, Rob. Yeah, you and Rob with your toes in the sand, <laughs> watching the sunset. It's, Talk, talking it's, about how red that sun was. Yeah. It was redder than the blood that was scrawled on the walls. <laughs> uh, yeah. He got, you know, he got into what he did at the right time mm-hmm. to establish some longevity for what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He's built a good audience. Totally. And uh, they're pretty loyal, so yeah. i got to say. And I am among them to a point. I just, you know, I don't need to go out every single time he comes through town. Right. I kind of feel like uh, I was lucky to see all the bands that I did. And there were always just, you know, certain ones that just didn't roll through when you were ready for them. Or they didn't tour for that album in your part of the country or whatever it was. I never did get to see Motorhead. And, and that bums me out. That one bums me out, too. Yeah. And uh, I did get to see a lot of other groups. Um I mean, even from the transition from heavy metal into other kind of new alternative rock, mm-hmm. I got to see Jane's Addiction at in a, like a college arena, you know, like a small room. It wasn't, it wasn't dinky, but uh, it's like that's a small enough venue. Um, this was in Washington State, and it was really cool to kind of see them already established, but not at the top of their game yet. Right. And then see them two or three more times, you know, to the point where they were pay- playing uh, the Gorge at, in uh, George Washington. Right. At the Columbia River Gorge. And headlining, co-headlining with Nine Inch Nails. Right, right. And absolutely tearing the place up. It was amazing, you know. Mm-hmm. And you get to see this, but then you saw them back in, you know, the, the college arena days. Right. Um, I did get to see Porno for Pyros in a really small club in Honolulu. Nice. When I lived in Hawaii, and I know what was going on there, I'm like, "Why are they playing here? You know, why? Are they, why is it here? And then, like the significant parts of the tour, I know what's going on. It's winter. The waves are big on the North Shore. <laughs> Perry wanted to go surfing and kind of warm up by doing a couple shows in small clubs right. and make sure everybody's kind of feeling right. And Mike Watt from the Minutemen was playing bass. Oh, okay, which is kind of amazing. So he's just got the heaviest bass style. So mm. that that was kind of a cool transition to where you could go from like the the legit heavy metal into like, well, what else are we going to do with these instruments and this attitude? And I think a lot of these folks, rather than trying to invest in hair metal, mm-hmm. they just said, there's something more to be, you know, uh, explored here. Sure. Well, in the 90s was a hard time for heavy metal anyway, because... Well, because Beavis and Butthead... No, I mean, just, <laughs> making fun of it. They're just, <laughs> yeah, hair metal just killed it for me. It really yeah. did. And it's so all of the other, like, death metal, um, thrash, and all of those that were starting to take off, pretty much just like the air was out of the out of their sails by the time the 90s hit. Yeah. So when the early aughts came around, it started picking up again. And now, of course, it's it's huge again. I mean, to the point where there are so many bands, it's hard for me to keep up. Oh, you know, if there's one band you want to see and you see the ad in the Westward or whatever your local, you know, alternative rag is, 
it's like, oh, wow, so-and-so is going to play. And then you see like the quarter page ad for it. Mm-hmm. And it's like so-and-so with this laundry list of other bands. Oh, yeah. it. And it's like, I don't want to go see five or six or eight bands. I just want to see maybe two, right. <laughs> three tops. Right. I know I'm sounding like an old man. So I saw Maiden back in the day and I don't want to sit through eight fucking bands. <laughs> well, I don't. <laughs> I don't want to do that. I used to go to festivals and things. Yeah. I was quite happy to see well, sure. tons of bands. Yeah. Yeah. There were, there, were, there were festival days, you know. I even went to a festival as recently as six or eight years ago, and uh, that's the one where um, Jane's Addiction headlined, co-headlined with Nine Inch Nails. Um, but you could kind of walk in and out of it. It's not like you're in a room, you know, like at the Fillmore or something, where you're in a room either you are or you aren't at yeah. the show yeah and i think there's a big difference the festivals do kind of have that more casual feeling yeah. yeah when it's a show when they've got 12 i mean they're just constantly swapping everything and eventually gets to the point if you do find a new band you're like oh this is this is all right i need to mm-hmm. remember them wait what order were they in right wait, what's what's their lineup because of course the bill that you see in the westward is not going to be the same as they're going to lay it out um so i find that to be a bit too much anyway and the bands I really like now are far more underground. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be maybe the first two or three. So I have to ask myself, do I really want to pay $40 for a ticket? And oh, I'm going to see the yeah. first two or three bands uh, and then leave. You know, like, am I going to stick it out through the whole thing? So, yeah, first world problems. Well, <laughs> for somebody who wants to go see Metallica, mm-hmm. uh, they're going to spend 150 to $200 for your average ticket now yeah totally what the hell is that Mm -hmm. no one i'd go see for that much no 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 i wouldn't see my very favorite band with the dead lead singer brought back to life right (laughs) for one show only yeah my favorite gigs i've ever been to i haven't spent more than 10 pounds you know yeah 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 Yeah, i was behind someone who was buying aerosmith tickets and they were 600 apiece and i was just like (gasps) what kidding me what now i'm sure they were fairly premium but even still i was like and, and they were buying two or three, so I was just oh, like, oh, come on. And then I walk up. Is Steven oh, Tyler going to give you a handy for that, or what? He better. Yeah. <laughs> While singing Love in an Elevator, he better. <laughs> Make you breakfast and everything. <laughs> so then I roll up, like, I'll take a cattle decapitation. Oh, that's $15. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Right. <laughs> Here's, wait a minute. I've got a bunch of ones. Is that cool? Is that okay? So, uh, so in, in this uh, movie, they... Yeah. It's uh, a lot of it's about black metal and mm-hmm. death metal. So you're into that. Oh, yeah. In fact, I even I'll, I'll do a shameless plug for my blog, which sure. I write about black metal. So that's my favorite genre. So I loved Like I said, I loved that crappy music video that they did. Mm-hmm. Um, they even got um, both Hassan and Emperor, who are amongst like the first and the um, the second wave of Norwegian black metal. So you're into mayhem. and Oh, yeah. Yeah. All of that. Um, and so I was really like, when I heard that, I was like, oh, all right. again, it was like, they have to be fans. Cause if you were just going down the line for black metal bands, you'd probably just go like mayhem, burzum. Uh, sure. I guess. Yeah. They even do a burzum joke in the movie. They, they do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, the, the extreme stuff, I really like that. So I actually really enjoyed the soundtrack cause so much of that was like, you know, they could have gone like, here's a limp biscuit song. And then I would yeah. have been like, sorry, Richard, I didn't watch this movie. <laughs> right. Yeah, I can't do your show, man. Yeah. But no, they, they had um they had a really good soundtrack and it was really varied. 
but a lot of it was fairly like black metal focused. Uh, even when he corrects her and he's like, it's not makeup, it's corpse paint. Corpse it's just paint, like, yeah. of course he would, of course he would correct so her. That goes back to, so that's, that's called corpse paint in, in Norwegian mm-hmm. metal, but mm-hmm. like it's older than that, isn't it? It's like, it goes back to Arthur Brown and yeah, um, Screaming Jay Hawkins. And, yeah, it's really true. So um, obviously the, like, you the know. The crazy world of Arthur Brown. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, I mean, he he was like a big influence in heavy metal. That 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 like pitching your voice higher—that's like totally Ian Gillen. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and then of screaming. course, um, Kiss solidified right, right, right. it. Um, King Diamond, who was sort yeah. of in that first wave, mm-hmm. um, he also solidified it. So by the time it hit black metal, it was well, the I guy mean, who used to sing for Merciful Fate. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah like King Diamond, Celtic Frost. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Um, no, and that's what I, that's what I think made this movie really endearing. If you liked, mm-hmm. if you liked this genre, because it didn't treat it as, um, it didn't treat it as kitsch. Like mm-hmm. it didn't, you know. For I would say for for those of us who haven't kicked heavy metal yet, um, it's like I mean, it, it takes a long time to get into this acquired taste, and so you don't want people who don't like it mishandling it. Because, you know, it's just like, well, what do you know, man? You, yeah. know, you don't get this. It's disrespectful. Exactly, exactly. So to have it actually handled appropriately, um, there was only one, there was one thing um, that um, our protagonist said when he's sitting on the bench with Medina and they're having an ice cream cone. And he said, it's nice to have someone else like share the hate and rage. And I was like, that's not really been my experience no. with metalheads or as a metalhead. Like I'm not just pent up with all of this, you know, Faustian rage. Some that's of those just... Norwegian guys did. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. It's not to say that it hasn't been a thing. It's just what, that wasn't necessarily my perspective. Um, but the rest of it, I felt like was just, it was so perfect for, for the genre mm-hmm. and for how I think metalheads not only see themselves and it's so funny because it's more mainstream now than it's ever been. Yeah. And I think we still feel like kind of outcasts, um, you know. So you can go to a metal festival and it can be packed with people. And then you'll meet that one person who's like, I don't really like metal. I'm just kind of here. It's also angry. And it's just like, <laughs> all right, we can't yeah. talk. We can't talk anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, you have to really like the thing that you like. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you can't just be faking it. Yeah, and so that's what I really liked about this. It felt very sincere what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And even though Zach was an ass, when they would play music together, like that was again, that was their bond. Mm-hmm. So that was the thing that, you know, they actually would do that well together. Mm-hmm. So it, it felt, you know, he was a bit kind of an over-exaggeration. But it, the their relationship as a whole, I don't, I would say, didn't feel too no, pushed. Okay. Yeah, this definitely felt more authentic than, say, Trick or Treat. Okay, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, Trick or Treat is more like those. You know, when D and D was popular and they had those movies, right? How D and D leads to Satanism and suicide. And yeah. Like, oh come on. It was a bunch of crap, you know. But but that was definitely um, that was handled by people who didn't have the affection or or the um or the care for mm-hmm. the subject matter or yeah. the, or the knowledge of it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you can you can spot a fake if you know anything oh, yeah, about yeah, anything yeah, yeah you know like i could watch a documentary about something that i don't really care about but if mm-hmm. it's well made i can say wow this documentary about how they make 
wagon wheels is super interesting, you know. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like, I don't have a wagon and I don't well, need I, a wheel. I, I didn't, um, it's like a, a kind of left heavy metal. Uh, it just wasn't that um, kind of uh, exciting for me anymore after, after a while. And and then uh, I thought, oh, what, what are these, these guys up to these days? So I looked at what Bruce Dickinson was up to. Mm-hmm. And it happened to be this radio show that he was presenting on uh, BBC Radio Six about uh, the history of uh, black metal. Oh, cool! Documentary about. Nice. Uh, it, it was really good, and I, I haven't been able to find it since. But uh, yeah, it was really good. So yeah, kind of found out about that through him. So the the earlier years for for metal, of mm-hmm. course, um, there was a lot of uh, suspicion from parents and mm-hmm. school administrators. Um, you know, teachers, coaches, whatever. Everybody pretty much assumed that there was something sinister behind this music and it was going to guide you down some really bad ways. Yeah. And the truth of the matter was that there were two kinds of metal musicians. Those who were doing it for the love of the music and happened to get paid. Mm -hmm. And those who were doing it for the money, we're looking at you, Gene Simmons, (laughs) um, who happened to kind of enjoy making music while they were at it. Yeah, sure. And I can say that... Um, nobody goes through what, say, um, Ian Gillen or Richie Blackmore or Ronnie James Dio or any of these guys from the earlier days or several different members of Black Sabbath or Judas Priest, nobody goes through the dry spells and the the tough times and keeps making music if they don't love doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, There were bands, though, again, that had a lot of success out of the gate and kept doing it, maybe not thinking about whether... There was sincerity there or not. <laughs> but I do remember um, in the early days, if you did like Alice Cooper or Kiss, you were being told by, if it wasn't your own parents, it was mm-hmm. somebody else's parents who knew your parents. Someone was going to tell you somebody yeah. to tell you or yeah. was going to tell you directly what was going to happen to you and how horrible it was going to be. But that was what was uh, uh, you know, interesting about Black metal uh, was like uh, you had this like generation of uh, being told uh, by uh, authority figures that oh this is going to lead you to to Satan and 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 suicide and murder and stuff and then you had these these extremists in Norway and yeah, yeah we're those bands yeah <laughs> it's, it's really true when it first came out it came out right with the Satanic Panic oh yeah so of course right. it came out at just the wrong time oh yeah and Venom was like all about it because they wanted to be Iron Maiden but like Satan Iron Maiden right so they just jumped right on it and what a better way to sell your to sell your image like. You're you're forbidden. Done. <laughs> right. Done. And what was always so funny about groups like this, um, Venom, for example, mm-hmm. all the worried parents, most of them have not heard of Venom and never would. Nope. It would never enter into their consciousness it's or not, their life yeah, in any way. There's no blip on the radar from Venom. Exactly. And and that's that's something that uh, yeah, there's some joy in that, I'm sure, for mm-hmm. the fans. You know, like if a kid's gonna wear a Venom shirt, it's gonna be like Oh, that looks like that stuff that I'm supposed to be afraid of, except for I don't even know what that is. Exactly. Exactly. That's that's from the parents or the frightened classmates. So I actually really like that they continued that with his new, um, his new life when he, um, when his, his mom's in the, 
mental ward and he has to go live with his uncle and aunt who are super religious. Right. I actually really like that they gave it that spin because I think it kind of appropriately grounded him back in that kind of historical reality. So, you know, he didn't go with his hippie parents or his hippie um, relatives. You know, they were like devout. So he was a perfect antithesis for them. Right. Yeah. So I actually really liked that they placed him in that because I felt like it, it didn't feel contrived. It didn't feel like, you know... You know, I, I felt it, it was worse with their son. What was the name, his cousin's name? Oh, yeah. Um, that was... Uh, I hear David. David, yeah. Um, when he would beat him up and everything, like it felt more forced with him than with them, with the um, uncle and aunt. Yeah. When, uh, when Zach calls out Brody for uh, decapitating David. I love that. No, he, like, no, he no, said no. something about Satan when he walked in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just as soon as he saw him, right. <laughs> just chopped him right across the face. <laughs> That was that was yeah, my, that was pretty perfect. That, that yeah. was a favorite moment of the yeah, movie for yeah. me mm-hmm. <laughs> because that guy was such a shithead. He was. He was the worst. The other thing I really that bothered me about the movie was the demon voice because I couldn't understand I couldn't, yeah. anything when they would talk in that voice. Just like that black metal you listen to. <laughs> I have an easier time understanding that without liner notes. Boy, I can get through that no problem. But how, how does the Cookie Monster find time to sing for all these bands? <laughs> He's a versatile man. Yeah. So I, I hated that demon voice. I yeah. really wish they had gotten rid of that altogether. Yeah, maybe on the um, the Criterion release, though, I have some alternate I so. versions. Some subtitles. Can, yeah. yeah. Or at least subtitles. Yeah, that's that's good. So, um, yeah, the there is a very rich history that I think people could look into if they wanted to. You know, look at, well, you know, where does this all spring from, mm-hmm. you know, initially? Like, who was doing what back as far as, say, the 60s or 70s that was being called into question? And, and mm-hmm. how did it evolve? And, you know, how did it catch fire? What happened? Totally. There's a lot to be gained there, I think. And I do remember my friend Brad, um, we were always trying to find the next more extreme thing that we could listen to. And he went out and bought a Merciful Fate album. <laughs> it was like... um Brad, this dude isn't really singing on key, but the music's really heavy. Right. Yeah. King Diamond has that weird shrill, oh, slightly off key yeah, thing right. that he does. I know. Have you heard of John Peel? Uh huh. Yeah. So he'd like play all this hardcore stuff, and that, and these bands had this competition to play the 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 uh, the shortest they could. Right. And there's this New York band. I forget who they were, but they got it down to like a third of a second. Right. That's yeah, nice. I think I saw something on BBC with Napalm Death right. where they played a six second song on something that would have been like the equivalent of the Ed Sullivan show. Yes. And it pretty much was just like, yeah. And that was it. And that was a whole song. <laughs> and the guy walks up and he's like, Did you have more for us? <laughs> like, nope, that's it. That was, you know, tomal evisceration or whatever it was called. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Good night. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, so um, never at any show did anyone throw puppies in the audience and demand they come back dead, mm-hmm. uh, sacrifice a goat, mm-hmm. pass around a bowl to be spat in and drink the bowl of spit. Right. Mm, none of this happened. Never. I never, never. saw any of it. No. Um, there weren't uh, any altars to Satan that people were called up to you know, commit themselves to, and none of that shit happened. Um, so... I was able to 
lead a fairly boring adult life after going to a bunch of metal shows, Mm -hmm. um, no matter what they said. Um, so I can say going forward, um, there's whole generations of young people who could probably, you know, have the same mundane outcome. Oh yeah. And this, uh, this movie, this worst case scenario thing (laughs) is hilarious to watch unfold. Totally. Totally. (laughs) Oh yeah, absolutely. But even still, they, they engage with it. Um, with sort of like a perfect revelry. Oh yeah, because yeah. on even got Giles wearing his bad taste T-shirt. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know where they're coming from. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> little nod to Peter Jackson. Yeah, yeah, the movies Peter Jackson tries to forget. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, I'd love to get Meet the Feebles in Blu-ray. That's just so awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's like gotta give up the shame, dude. Yeah. It's like, okay, you made King Kong, you made all that Lord of the Rings stuff. Just relax. You, no one's going to judge you on your old stuff. Well, they might. I, mm-hmm. I can't. You'll, well, be, you'll be neutral. I, I think they were doing good. You know, he, he did all these movies, and then suddenly he was making, like, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And it was just incredible. Why did they gamble on that guy? Yeah. How'd that happen? I think the, the leap is just so impressive. It is. You should be proud of... You know, he's, he's working out all his techniques and, you know. Somebody saw something that we couldn't see. Or maybe he oh, saw you something. Could, you, right? could, you could tell he was talented and he, he could throw the camera around like nobody else. And, sure. And you see all, the, all those like crazy, like vertigo angles that he's, he's using in his early movies. Oh, yeah. And it's all, it's all there. And you get, get occasional bursts of it and... Like even in Lord of the Rings, there's like some dwarf tossing oh, yeah. gags and mm-hmm. uh, you know things like that. But yeah, you should be proud of those early films and get get them out on Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah. Give up the shame, man. Uh, any last thoughts on this? Um, do you recommend this to anybody other than a metalhead and a horror fan, Mike? No, they won't get it. I, I would say if you really wanted the simplest of pastimes, um, and you like either of those things yes then i would recommend it outside of those people no right um because i just don't think there's enough to keep either right if you're not if you're not a fan yeah it would be like expecting any of us to maybe understand uh a movie that draws a lot from paintball wars or my little pony i would just i I don't know about you but i'd be lost on that one (laughs) i'm not a brony but i'm glad it makes them happy exactly yeah, exactly. I do have one thing to say though. Um, there yes. is one band. Um, so there, there's a lot of um, New Zealand bands in this, Aussie sure. bands, which is great. But there's one band that sings a song called "Hail to the Pizzagram," and it is called Axe Slasher, and they hail from Denver. So Hell, one Denver yes. band <laughs> made it on to this disco, <laughs> this um, score. That is awesome. Yeah. Well. Maybe we'll find out where they hang out and have them on the show sometime. Mm. That wouldn't be the worst thing we've ever done. <laughs> uh, maybe it would. I don't know. <laughs> if they know something about movies, they could contribute nicely. So, Jolien, how did it go for you? Yeah, yeah. I think if you're a metal fan, if you like uh, New Zealand-style splatstick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't... Uh, what was that That uh, sheep zombie movie? What was that one called? Brain Dead? No. Oh, uh, uh, Black Sheep. Black Sheep, yeah. See, it's it's not as silly as that. Um, it it's probably leans more toward like Evil Dead Two. Uh, 
mm-hmm. which I think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, is giving it um, a lot. Yeah, Because totally. Evil Dead 2 is a, a very favorite. But they obviously, the, the filmmakers obviously enjoy stuff like that. And as we discussed earlier, genuine affection for heavy metal and black metal. And we're able to, um, you know, treat it respectfully, which I think is cool. It, but still have fun. Like, exactly. A lot of fun with yeah. it. Yeah. But yeah, I would say metalheads will dig it. Um, horror fans. Uh, yeah, who... and watch and and it alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be funnier with a group of friends. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I, I would say go find it. Like, even though it disappeared from a couple of our platforms. Um, yeah. Check it out. You know, it, it knows what it is. Mm-hmm. And it has fun being it. Mm-hmm. That's true. All right. Well, um, as this uh, episode drops, I will be in Atlanta. And uh, you know how I am schmoozy and have no shame. If I can get us a celebrity interview while I'm on the road, I'll do it. If I can't, uh, we might miss an episode. Um, and then we'll reconvene with something else to talk about. And it'll be fun. I don't have any doubt. Um, we're good for about one hour in here before the air conditioning being shut off is kind of overwhelming. <laughs> so anything else before we get out of here? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'm going to say, you know, I know Will doesn't listen to his own episodes, so hopefully he listens to this one. Hey, Will, we miss you. <laughs> Come back soon. But uh, Mike, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having me Great having you. Yeah. Great having your uh, your knowledge of the art. Oh, man. <laughs> and the history it, of it. It's nerddom. The dark it's, arts. It's nerddom. Yeah. All right. Well, that being said, thank you for listening and stay off the moors.